Let's just pray before we start. Lord, you are holy. You are worthy of all our praise. Lord, we've offered you our praise. We offer you now our hearts, our minds, our ears, and our lives to receive from your word now, to take it, absorb it, apply it, and grow through it. So speak now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, we are continuing our journey on the story, and we are in Luke's Gospel, and it is also Palm Sunday. But before we get stuck in, we're just going to play a little game tonight. This is a really simple game, okay? It's called What's Missing? I mean, what could go wrong? Look at the screen and work out what's missing, okay? Have we got the rules? Do we get it? Okay. Next screen, please. Let's see. What's missing? <laughs> Two things there, brilliant, yes. Bit of a blower, it is number 10, well done. And extra bonus points if you got the cat, because the cat is normally outside number 10. Okay, are you ready? Next one, what's missing? Is it? Are you sure? No. <sighs> Have you not learned after about 25 years, Ant is always on the left, Deck is always on the right. That's why they do it, because it takes most of us at least five years to remember. Well done. It's deck. Okay, here's the next one. Now, the clue's in the picture, but you're going to get bonus points if you get it in the right order. <laughs> Hannah, I mean, you can tell she's a teacher. <laughs> the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Thank you. This game's going to continue right now. Lucy, would you come and read our Bible passage for us from Luke? And I also want you to consider, as you're listening, what's missing? Lucy, thank you. This evening's, re this evening's reading is taken from Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went, and they found it just as they had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lucy. Okay, any ideas as to what is missing? Yes, thank you. Palms. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the day the church celebrates Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the beginning of Holy Week, marking the journey to the cross. And the laying of palms in the streets of Jerusalem is mentioned in all other of the three Gospels. All three accounts mention the palms, but not Luke. The palms are missing. Now, the laying down of palms was used to honor royalty in King David's time. So it was hugely significant that these were laid down for the son of David and the king of kings as he rode into Jerusalem on what we know as Palm Sunday. But did you hear what was laid down instead? Cloaks. Thank you. Now, I'm going to take um, a leaf out of Charlie Maxey's ingenious approach to titling books. And we're going to explore this passage tonight under three headings. The king, the cult, and the cloaks. Because as we do, we will see that Jesus' entry into Jerusalem challenged people to see the sort of king that Jesus was which was part expected and unexpected. And it also challenges us to think about the sort of follower that we are called to be in response to. So we're going to turn our attention to the king. But before we do, I just want to head back to Charlie Mackesy, the author of The Boy, The Fox, The Mole and The Horse, and now an Oscar winner. I don't know if you'd noticed that. So we've got a slide of Charlie on Oscar night. There he is on Oscar night. Now, I just wonder, think back. Do you remember the drawing I showed on Who's Missing? There was a question mark and a slant, and a man was holding it. Well, that was drawn by Charlie over 30 years ago. It became the first recognizable sign for the Alpha course. Charlie's come a long way from Brixton to Hollywood, and yet he's really not your typical Oscar winner. There were no photos of him hanging on to A-list celebs. There were no photos of him at these sort of Oscars post-parties or anything like that. What he posted on social media was very simply two napkins. One that he wrote on the right there, sitting at the table at the ceremony, and one on the left that he wrote in the loo. So the first one, we just won an Oscar. Okay, I think that points to a few things. It points to the 100-plus people, the animators, who brought his book to life. It showed real humility and recognition that this wasn't just his award. And, hello, I'm hiding in the loo again at the Oscars. Perhaps displaying a bit of a sense of awkwardness about the adulation and being in the spotlight. Perhaps a sense of being overwhelmed. In fact, Charlie describes himself as a random, scruffy artist who happens to have made a little book. He's really not your typical Oscar winner, and he's certainly not perhaps what people were going to expect to come on stage. And standing on the Mount of Olives, looking over the whole of Jerusalem, shortly before this triumphal entry, we might wonder too, what was Jesus thinking? The destination of the final destination of his earthly ministry is in sight, as was the fulfilling of his father's great salvation plan. He's been used to being surrounded by crowds all the time, but was he ready for this? Hiding in the loo was not an option open to him. 
So the day begins when Jesus and his disciples approach Bethany. They're at the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives is here. It's just a couple of miles from Jerusalem. There's an arise. You go down into the valley, and then you go back up to Jerusalem. So standing on the Mount of Olives, the whole city of Jerusalem is visible. Now, it's well known that the shortest verse in the Bible, two words, John 11:35. Yes, Jesus wept. I'd like us to hold on to two other equally significant words which appear several times in the Gospels, and they are Jesus knew. Jesus knew people's thoughts before they uttered them. They knew, he knew the reason behind their actions. And in John 13, 3, it tells us, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So standing on the Mount of Olives, Jesus knew. Jesus knew exactly the sort of king he was called to be, one that would fulfill prophecies but challenge expectations. He knew what would happen on Palm Sunday and that those growing cries, those crowning cries on Sunday would turn into crucifixion cries on Friday. But he also knew what would be fulfilled by his death and resurrection a week later. And he also knew what it would mean for people to follow him then and now, both the Sunday joy and the Friday sacrifice. So the all-knowing king knows what he needs to do and sets the scene for his triumphal arrival. Enter center stage, a cult. So we read that Jesus sends two of his disciples ahead to fetch this unridden cult, effectively, literally has his name stamped on it, and bring it back to him. Now, those villages would have been bustling with hundreds and hundreds of people as they were making their way to Jerusalem for Passover. And yet, those disciples find things exactly as Jesus said it would be, because Jesus knew. It really takes a brave person to ride an unridden animal. Just think kicking, think bucking bronco, okay? It doesn't sound like a very sensible plan, does it? And of course, there was a reason why the colt was tied up. It's because he was untamed. And yet, picture the scene. The crowds are singing and shouting. There's little space to move. Cloaks are being thrown on the streets ahead. The king rides triumphantly and smoothly through the city gates into Jerusalem. But the king is on a colt. That's not, that's not right, okay? Because kings rode horses, the symbol of war. This king chose a colt, a symbol of peace. But king he was because nobody else could ride through the city gates other than the king. Everybody else, no matter their status, would have dismounted and walked through the gate. So Jesus was proclaiming his kingship, but it was not the sort of king the people were expecting. One who'd come armed for battle to overthrow the Romans. And yet, the crowds could see that this was the king that had been prophesied about in Zechariah 9, chapter 9, verse 9, which says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem, see Your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, 
the foal of a donkey. And so they joyfully praised God for now. Jesus' was to be a kingdom of peace and humility, of sacrifice and salvation, of death and resurrection. It's a kingdom he'd preached about and invited people to enter. And how did the people respond? Well, here's where the cloaks come in. There was a cloaks laid on the colt for Jesus to sit on, and then cloaks lining the streets for him to ride over. Now, palms were no doubt also laid, even if they're not mentioned in Luke. But let's be honest, the palms were pretty plentiful. Easily sourced, snap. Easily chucked, done. Easily walked away from. Waving a palm at Jesus was incredibly respectful, but it was pretty easy to do in the moment. The symbolism of the cloaks is quite different and even more honoring of the king in their midst. Because why did you have a cloak? Well, you'd have had a cloak to keep you cool and protect you from the sun. Your cloak would keep you warm in the evening when the sun went down. Your cloak would keep you wrapped around, protecting your face from the dust that would come up from the streets, keeping sand out of your eyes. Your cloak had value and purpose and offered you protection and security. So to lay down one's cloak was a very sacrificial thing to do. It stripped you of your cover, it left you unprotected and required you to give away something of real worth. It was laying down something of earthly value to further the work of the kingdom of God. I'm not going to ask you, but we've talked about it already, and I suspect we've laid down something for Lent, maybe. Maybe? Have you gone for the Sunday rules? You could have a little fix. Let's not go there. Um, maybe it was a favorite treat. Have you laid down a favorite treat? Have you laid down um, what I would call a distraction? And by that, I probably mean social media. Um, but have you laid down something? I wonder, though, what we still need to lay down at Jesus' feet in order to further his kingdom coming fully in our lives today and in the lives of those we know who don't yet know Jesus. Because often, sometimes, the very thing that we hold onto is the very thing that weighs us down. It seems to offer protection, but in fact, it only masks something that we want to keep covered Maybe anxiety, a past hurt, a regret, the need for approval. Or it weighs us down on our walk with Jesus. It makes that walk difficult. Pride, control, perfectionism, wealth, self-sufficiency, all of these things can do that. And when we think about Jesus' triumphal entry and what it means for us, Actually, sometimes what we want is the triumphant Jesus to save us from those difficult circumstances in our lives or to bless us with greater bounty. We want to steer the king in the direction that we want to go. We want to tame the untamed cult. But Jesus' triumphal entry into our lives is about laying down our cloaks, letting him see and embrace our vulnerability, our weaknesses and our sin. Because every time we click our cloak on, there's a layer 
between us and God, and that prevents his spirit from really reaching in and working into all of our lives. And it also actually, keeping the cloak on, actually holds the stuff in that we'd be much better giving to Jesus. So we need to respond as those disciples did, to willingly throw down our cloaks before the King of Kings and let him enter into every aspect of our lives. Because? Because he knows. He knows all about us. He knows what we struggle with. He knows how we can best thrive and flourish. He knows what masks we wear. He knows what cloaks we wrap around us. He didn't just stop and receive the worship on Palm Sunday, nor did he hide in the loo metaphorically. He was obedient to his Father's will. He went to the cross to set us free from all of that stuff. So this Palm Sunday, what cloak might we want to lay down before Jesus as we celebrate his triumphant entry into our lives again? We've surely laid down many before, but what are we wearing today? Does Jesus delights when we lay them down before him? And when we do, just like he did in Jerusalem, he tramples over those cloaks that hide the fullness of life he offers us. And in doing so, he reveals to us new life, new hope, and real freedom from a lot of messy stuff. So every time we lay down our cloaks, Jesus triumphantly enters our lives again and again into the lives of those we share our faith with. He enters into the lives of those we love. He enters into the lives of those that we live, study, and work amongst every time we lay down our cloaks. John said in 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Isn't that what we want? Life to the full? The prophesied king was there right in front of the crowds in Jerusalem. They recognized him and they didn't hold back in throwing down their cloaks. And tonight, I think Jesus is challenging us to think about what we might be holding back. Because if we don't lay down our cloaks, don't follow his call to pick up our crosses, deny ourselves and follow him wholeheartedly, then there'll always be something missing. Because the triumph of Palm Sunday is not about us waving our palms at Jesus. The real triumph comes when we lay our cloaks down before him. Jesus knew the king he was called to be. He knew what was required of his followers. And he knew that his ultimate sacrifice would lead to eternal joy to those who took up the invitation to follow him. And this invitation to us to throw down our cloaks is beautifully summarized in Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in place of honor beside God's throne. 
Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. I should imagine this morning at the service of the reading of the Passion the whole week, it was plain and clear to see the hostility that Jesus endured. I encourage you to do it if you haven't done it, if you're reading the Luke, Luke and the story, to just read the whole week and just experience it in its totality. I think in that passage, there's a bit of a marriage between joy and sacrifice. And I think there's also a bit of a caveat. Because when the people threw down their cloaks, yes, it was in reverence to the king, but it was also to smooth the path that he rode on. Now, I get the feeling that we here in Claygate, in fact, Elmbridge, no, actually the entire country, uh, know that a smooth ride is not really an option at the moment, yeah? There's, there's just a few potholes going on, okay? We're, we're all mastering them. In our family, we sort of come back and go, yeah, no, watch out for that one on the corner of and next to. You know, we'll kind of, you could probably draw a map of potholes. No journey is smooth. And in laying down our cloaks, we mustn't expect our Christian walk to be easy. I'm sure we can all look back over our lives and see those times that were great and good and times of plenty. And we can also see those times of suffering and challenge. And you know what? That's because Jesus has not promised us a pothole-free walk with him. But he has promised us his constant presence through the power of his Holy Spirit. So, are we running the race set before us? It's an important thing to think about as we journey ourselves into Holy Week. Are we maybe crawling? Or perhaps in honesty, do we all feel perhaps at a bit of a standstill? Because the Christian life is both joy and sacrifice. And Jesus invites us to the cross with him. And that's not an easy path. But in that passage in Hebrews, he tells us what to do. Look to me, fix your eyes on me, and follow me. And then we won't grow weary and lose heart. So let's lay our cloaks before him. Let's let him into all of our lives. Because Jesus knows, and he knows best. Amen.